hello and welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, live from Los Angeles. This is Michael Benner, your host, every Sunday afternoon. And uh, since you're here and presumably with us live, though you may be listening to the podcast, but I guess my point is that uh, if you are with us live, you made the transition back to standard time. Congratulations. (laughs) I hope you... uh, enjoyed your extra hour. Our friends elsewhere in Europe and other parts of the world have different versions of daylight saving time, but in most of the United States, we're back to standard time as of today. It's November 4th of 2012, and our mystery school subject or topic for the day today is, what is mysticism? sort of brings up the question, what is a mystery school? We've been doing this for five years and never really addressed that. I presume most of you know, maybe you've even Googled mystery school. Uh, The mystery and mystic, the root word is really the same, mystic, mysticism, mystery school. But I'm going to address directly today in the free forum here, which is podcast for the next 20 or 25 minutes, and also in the premium training that follows at one thirty this afternoon, a more complete understanding of a mystery school, a mystic, and indeed, what is this branch of philosophy really called mysticism? And I guess that's where it's really got to begin with an understanding that mysticism, if it's anything, is a philosophy or a series of philosophies, a field, a, a, a branch of the most spiritually oriented philosophical ideas, theories, and hypotheses. But having said that, I have to hasten to add that mysticism is ultimately an experience. It's very experiential. And for this reason, and several similar reasons, it is uh, often attacked by traditional religion, whatever the religion may be, for Religion, by its very nature, is an institution, with very few exceptions. It's institutionalized. It emphasizes scripture, fellowship, uh, worship, has its creeds, its dogma or rules, its authoritarian nature, and mysticism has none of that. There is... No authority in mysticism except the universe, the absolute, that's a word in philosophy that is usually capitalized, and you can think of the absolute as being just another word for God, except that most religions, especially in the West, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, tend to visualize God as a being, which a mystic sees as rather idolatrous and blasphemous. 
a giant man on a cloud. Now, if you lean on a well-studied religious person a little bit, you'll probably get them to admit that that's a symbol, uh, perhaps an idol, uh, perhaps idolatry, but makes for a nice uh, image on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, this older gentleman reaching out from some very remote place. But a mystic would never personify or idolatrize idolatize, would that be the word? <laughs> uh, the most divine, or again in philosophy, the word would be the absolute, by limiting it to a shape or a form, but rather a spirit, more like an atmosphere or an ocean that is unbounded, unlimited, for that matter, like a radio or TV signal that never dissipates, a magnetic force field that is everywhere equally present. And again, I think if you leaned into religious people, they'd say, oh yeah, that's what we really mean. We, we don't really see God as a giant man on a cloud, but in fact, many people do. And that's one of the basic differences between religion and the philosophy that is mysticism, sometimes called the perennial philosophy for at least 4,000 years, going back to the most ancient uh, Egyptian and Tibetan Chinese cultures, uh, there are these shamanic ideas of the great spirit or a higher power that imbues all things, that is in and of all things, and that all things are of it, that there is but one of us here, one life, one universe, one cosmos— as spirit, it's one, it's whole, it's unified. As material forms, it is separated, diverse, and even unique. And so we have the paradox of the one and the many, of unity and diversity, of spirit and matter, or what Einstein called energy and mass. Mysticism, however, includes a third element, which we'll touch on briefly here in this free forum, but in depth in the premium training, and I hope you can join us for that. If you're not yet enrolled, you can do it at theagelesswisdom.com for just a few bucks, whether for a single class, a 13-week term, or a full year. And, of course, you get a deeper discount when you subscribe for the 13-week quarter or the full year. And uh, you can do that with your ATM card, your credit card, debit card, uh, bank card, whatever you want to call it. Theagelesswisdom.com. Click on Webinars and then Premium Training. And once you're enrolled, the thank you page will contain 
the URL link for today's premium training and also the password you'll need to listen either by web or telephone. You'll get a confirmation email that'll have that same information. And then if you subscribe or enroll for more than one week, successive emails every Saturday evening will have that information for you each week. And then so that you can listen to the replay on demand, we strongly suggest that you retain those emails, file them away in a safe place, or record the link and the password so that you can, as I say, even if you miss the live class, listen on demand when it suits you. And then you can download as an MP3 the class to your computer desktop, put it in your iTunes folder or whatever you use as software to manage your MP3s, and uh, put it on your smartphone, your iPad, your iPod, and listen to it that way. Okay. So that's coming up in just about 20 minutes or so, the premium training of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, where we go into depth. That middle element, however, between energy and mass, between spirit and matter, between God and man, is consciousness, commonly known as love. This is the soul, if you will, between spirit and matter. Many people conflate soul and spirit. Many have come to me over the years and to other teachers, and they ask, what's the difference? Well, I think probably if you have an understanding of the trinity or the triune nature of things found in literally all religions, it could be the Christian trinity of Father, Son, and Mother, or Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because women have sort of been taken out of the equation by the by the Christian church, but initially in hermetic or ancient Egyptian philosophy, it was father, son, mother, or king, prince, and queen. And this is a correlation for the divine will, the father aspect, uh, the divine love, the son or the prince, and the Christ or Buddha nature. And then the mother would be the matter, the mater, or the material world, often referred to as manifestations of the Holy Spirit. The problem with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, of course, is that it tends to suggest that Father is not Holy Spirit and Son is not Holy Spirit. Only the material world is Holy Spirit. Of course, it's all holy. It's all part of one thing. But we have that correspondence in ourselves. We did a class here a few months ago on the higher and lower correspondences of the Trinity. Uh, the Catholic, for example, makes a sign of the cross by touching his or her forehead in the name of the Father, meaning that your free will, your mental thoughts and intelligence corresponds to the Father aspect or divine will. When you touch your heart, you say in the name of the Son, this is the Christos, the Buddha nature, the soul, divine love or consciousness, and your emotional nature would be the lower correspondence of that middle element of the divine trinity. And then the Catholic touches each shoulder 
in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the mother aspect, the shoulders corresponding to the body, the physical world, physicality, the material, uh, the world of mass, though illumined and animated by an energy. And this, again, corresponds to the mother, the mater, or what the church has called Holy Spirit, what the Egyptians referred to as Isis, or the queen. So the triune nature of things is like Einstein, the universe made up of energy and mass, or spirit and matter, with a third element in the middle, the heart and soul, the consciousness aspect for the material world, so-called life, all life forms, are conscious and animated by some sort of energy, an energy that is consciousness, an energy that goes beyond heat from calories being burned, an awareness, if you will, uh, this inner light that comes from beyond or behind physics. Hence, Aristotle called it metaphysics. Meta meaning from behind or beyond, or you could say above. All right. So this threeness of things comes up in all religions. Uh, in the uh, Hebrew religion, Judaism, it's Kether, Kachman, and Pana. In uh, Hinduism, it's Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Uh, the Trinity comes up in Buddhism as well. In the Buddha, Dharma, and Sankha. In Islam, it's the beloved, love itself, and the lover, or the human being. It's found in lots of different places. In fact, if you check out my website, theagelesswisdom.com, and go to the section labeled Articles and click on Trinity, you'll find a graph of about 45 or 50 different versions of the threeness of things in philosophy and religion. And after you look over the chart, if you then compare all the number one elements of these trinities and the number three elements of the trinities, and then look down the middle column at all the number twos, it'll really open up your mind to the triune nature of reality. And it's this middle element, the love, the consciousness, the soul, between God and man, between heaven and earth, between spirit and matter, or as the scientist would say, energy and mass, that constitutes the mystic's path. The mystic is concerned with the way in which love constitutes a pathway back to our source. You'll remember Christ, for example, saying, I am the way and the light. The light would mean that, as Plato said, the soul shares the ground of God. So a, a conscious soul, even if you were incarnated into form, if you knew who you really were and what you really are, not a human with a soul, but a soul incarnated as a human, 
That's a very important distinction. Then you would know that you are a manifestation of the one light, so to speak, and you would have a way back home again. You'd have a GPS in your heart that is not merely emotional love. And this is also a very important distinction. We're not talking when we define the soul as love or consciousness or awareness. We're not limiting ourselves to emotional love. Because emotional love has its heartache, its broken hearts, its sense of loss and abandonment and betrayal. It can lead to a great deal of pain. Love can hurt. But spiritual love, on a much higher turn of the spiral, like several octaves higher, has none of that. Spiritual love has no heartache. There is no abandonment. There is no betrayal. It's absolutely trustworthy and real. Indeed, as you'll discover if you're able to join us for the premium training, It may be the only thing that's real. Many mystics and philosophers, scholars and others have said love is the only thing that's real. That everything else passes away. All things are impermanent. Only one thing, and it's not really a thing, it's not a form, it's not an object. But in the loosest sense of the word, to whatever degree words work, Love is the only thing that does last, that is infinite, that is everywhere equally present and eternal. But it is in the nature of the fall of man that even though we're in the image of the Most High or the Divine, that we focus into the material world through our physical senses and sensations. We build attachments to the physical world and the materialism that the physical world represents and are blinded or distracted from accessing this higher form of love, love as consciousness, love as awareness. Awareness of what? Awareness that there's but one life at work here, and that we live in God's thought dream, so to speak, and that you are a manifestation of that most high. We're going to share some quotations that I've put together for the premium training. Several of them refer to the idea that we are part of the one life, and that both things are true. We can identify with the separated part, as most of us do, but with a little bit of training, we also have the ability to harmonize and unify and lead what mystics call the unitive life. This is a life where we express our love through kindness and humility and respect for people, even if we disagree with them, even if they don't like us or we don't like them, even love your enemy. But if you think of spiritual love 
In the same way you think of emotional love, then, of course, love your enemy makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So, mysticism, if it's anything, is non-institutional. There really are many, many, many books that you can read, but it's never about the books. There is no scripture, though a mystic would be interested in all holy books and consume them for the experience that it might engender or help to stimulate. And there is no institution, there is no fellowship, arguably no worship. It's not about following in the footsteps of God, as religion would have you do. It's more about becoming aware of the magnetic attraction of love as consciousness and following that path back to the source and living in that sense of approach, I'll say it that way, for few in form have ever attained this union. It's paradoxical because in a sense we already have it. There's nothing to attain. We already are that. There's no place to go or nothing we have to do except drop our fixation on the distractions of materialism in the world of form. And yet that's where we live. So many wise women and men suggest that the mystic's path, or the way, as Christ calls it, the middle way, as it's referred to in Eastern philosophy, is really a balanced walk between the worlds of force and form, between the worlds of spirit and matter. And we have to live in this physical world, though we do not have to live of it. Uh, Every once in a while, you've got to end your prayer and meditation, open your eyes, and go to work. You've got bills to pay. Somebody's got to take out the garbage, right? There's there's stuff you've got to get done. And yet we can integrate those two worlds of force and form. We must, indeed, if we are to have any kind of peace or a sense of uh, meaning in our lives. If religion works for you, that's just fine. There's nothing anti-religious about mysticism, though many religious people would argue that there is. Indeed, some of the most influential religious people have been mystics. It's easy to argue that the prophets Krishna and Moses and Buddha and Jesus and Lao Tzu and Muhammad were indeed mystics. They were all mystics. And you can be too. (laughs) Remember Christ said, these things I do, you can do, and more. And meditation is one of the primary practices in all approaches to mystical philosophy or the perennial philosophy, sometimes known as Prisca Theologia, the ancient wisdom, or esoteric philosophy, meaning for the few. For those who have the time and the inclination to read the books, to study, to contemplate, to meditate. And so I hope you're doing a practice like that. In fact, why don't you just close your eyes right now, just for a minute, Take a nice, slow, deep breath, and as you exhale, just 
feel a letting go in your body and affirm to yourself by saying silently in your mind, I am the one life. I am one with all things. Separation is an illusion. There is but one of us here. And love is the magnetic force field that binds the appearance of the many into the one life. Love is the glue. Love is the magnet. The magnetic field between the polarities of spirit and matter. It is love, the soul, the consciousness aspect of awareness itself that is radiatory, magnetic, cohesive, and redemptive. For love changes things. Love is the way. There is no way to love. Love is the way. The mystic's path in all traditions. Take a breath. And as you exhale, now open your eyes, wide awake, back in the room, feeling fine, better than before. Hope you can join us in a couple of minutes for the premium training. And in any event, thanks for being here. And we'll see you regularly for the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School at 1 o'clock Sunday afternoons. Thanks a lot. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. So long.